0: You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there, and welcome to episode 23. And now for something completely different, as they say. We're going daily on Expat Property Story for a special series in collaboration with Sean the Property Tax Accountant, which means that we'll be releasing an episode a day for the next seven days, including today. Full details to follow later in the show. Last week I told you about our attempt to add four more student HMOs to the two we already had, but due to Covid lockdown in the UK in spring of 2020 and the subsequent disruption to valuations, loan-to-values and mortgage lending in general, we felt we had little option but to withdraw from one of the purchases so that we could buy two of them with cash and one with a mortgage. We had agreed to buy the mortgaged one back in October 2019 and it took nearly eight months to complete due to the fact that we were buying it with existing tenants, so it didn't go through until May. This was in Lancaster, and we bought a second one there with cash. Both these properties were existing student HMOs, which needed to be refurbished to maximise the rental income once the existing tenants moved out in the summer of 2020. By withdrawing from the fourth property on our shopping list, we had enough money to refurbish both these properties and buy the remaining property, a two-bed end of terrace in Nottingham, with cash. Once the refurb of the property we had bought in Lancaster with cash was refurbished, we mortgaged it at the end of 2020, which gave us the funds to refurbish the Nottingham property in 2021, ready for the start of the academic year in September. So, by September 2021, we had five student HMOs fully tenanted Bringing in half the target income we'd set as our goal for when we return to the UK in a few years' time. If COVID taught those of us investing in UK property anything, it was the need to diversify. We felt that we needed to consolidate our portfolio to make sure that all our eggs weren't in the same student basket. We also needed to perhaps step back and assess everything and undertake some longer term tax planning. In short, it was the time to kind of transplant our property story into a bigger pot so that the roots had more room to grow. Now, I stole that analogy from someone, and I can't remember who it was, so if that was you, please accept my apologies. We needed tax advice, and I would suggest to anyone in need of speaking to a tax advisor to try and learn as much about it in advance so that you can ask better questions, and perhaps have a better understanding of the answers, so that you can then ask better questions again. I spoke to a fair few tax advisors, each of whom was offering different advice, and it took me quite a few months to get my head around all the factors involved and to find an advisor I was happy to work with. That's what I meant when I said last week that it was time to take stock, both of our portfolio and of our tax position and structure. What a pity I didn't have access to this mini-series of expat tax information that starts today. So as I said earlier, for one week, we're going daily on Expat Property Story as we get to grips with one of the most important, if not the most important aspects of property – tax and joining me for this tax marathon is friend of the show sean the property tax accountant who was one of the earliest subscribers to this podcast and took time out to leave me a fantastic review and then got in touch as well so why not follow sean's lead and leave a review on whatever podcast provider you choose to use or on the podcast website www.expatpropertystory.com or simply get in touch and tell me about your property story or give some ideas for future content. I make a point of replying to every email I get, although a couple of weeks ago I did receive an email with loads of good ideas, but when I tried to reply, my email kept getting returned with a message back saying a communication failure had occurred. Anyway, one of the requests in the message was for some content on tax... Well, be careful what you wish for, it might come true, because this week Sean and I will be releasing an episode every day for the next seven days, and hopefully by the end of the week we'll have covered everything you need to know about tax as an expat property investor. Today's episode, 23, is an introduction to Sean. Episode 24 on property ownership structure will be out tomorrow, followed by group structures in episode 25 the day after that. 26 will be on capital gains tax, 27 will be all about compliance. Tax evasion, tax avoidance and tax planning will be the focus for episode 28 and we'll wrap up this mini-season of bite-sized podcast portions with episode 29 which will be on risk management. All of these topics will be explored through an expat lens and I must stress that the content of these or any other episodes for that matter has been prepared for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal or accounting advice you should consult your own tax, legal and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction. Now regular listeners will know that Expat Property Story is the only podcast that comes with a free joke. And that's exactly what Sean has prepared for this episode, a free joke. Property
1: Story. How much does a chimney cost?
0: I don't know. How much does a chimney cost?
1: Nothing. It's on the house.
0: <laughs> on the house. It's another <laughs> property joke. I love it. Fantastic. Oh postcode challenge now the postcode that you have chosen is CV2 2RE which i'm guessing is in Coventry you bet well i say i'm guessing but i'm not guessing because i've done my research And I have come up with three questions for you. It's the best of three, so you need two to win. If you don't get two, then I will be the winner. Are you ready? Yes. Question number one, what are there more of in CV2, 2RE? Is it A, full-time students, or B, retired people?
1: I would say retired people.
0: Congratulations. 39 retired people and 23 full-time students. Excellent. One more to win. Question number two. How many Buddhists are there in C V two R E? Is it A five, B, four, or C, none? I've no idea. Total guess. None. You win. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I'll ask you the third question anyway. According to Rightmove, a four-bed detached house has just sold subject contract for £315,000. In September 2020, a four-bed detached house on the same road was also sold. How much did it sell for? So that's 18 months ago. Was it A, 299000 B, 285000 or C, 275000 a. wrong lucky you got the first two right it's actually two hundred seventy-five thousand. so that shows you in 18 months roughly speaking forty thousand pounds capital gain
1: wow that is quite something actually
0: i asked sean about how he got started as a chartered accountant
1: my accounting career started around 20 years ago i started with price waterhouse coopers or pwc that's one of the big four accounting firms and funnily enough, it was actually on the very first day at work that I met my now wife. So she's also an accountant and, and also the daughter of a tax advisor. So wow. I'm sure you can imagine our Sunday lunch conversations.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. we qualified in 2005. Since then, we've lived and worked in various countries around the world. The UK will always be home. I'm currently in the Caribbean. We've lived in Ireland and done a few stints in the US. Over the course of my career, I've spent many years in public practice, but also I've worked in industry as well, as as we accountants uh, call it. Then, like most accountants, really, over the years, I've helped lots of friends and family with their own accounts and, and tax returns. Many of those were landlords and property investors themselves, and as a property investor myself, and also being an expat at times as well, it was really just a natural progression to gradually transition from employment to running my own practice. Now, I work with both UK residents and expats that invest in property and property that's based in the UK. And that ranges from plain vanilla buy-to-lets, Service accommodation, those following the, the BRR strategy, perhaps doing rent to rent or, or maybe flipping. The types of clients that I really enjoy working with are those that are, are relatively new to property investment. They're certainly not my sole set of clients, but they're the ones that I get a real kick out of really watching and supporting them go from zero to running very profitable portfolios.
0: You mentioned that you are yourself a property investor, so could you tell us a little bit about your portfolio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that on a later episode that we're going to talk about risk and risk management. So, but I can I can dig into that a little bit now, just in terms of my own circumstances. So, my wife and I, I'd say, actually, we have a very low risk appetite. We're not doing anything particularly exciting with our portfolio. We spend a lot of the year outside of the UK. Therefore, we prefer for our portfolio to be as hands-free and passive as possible. And really, we're just looking to generate stable returns. So our approach is just simply to try and achieve a balance of both monthly cash flow and then capital growth over the long term. But we're really not trying to push one extreme or, or the other. So in order to really gain those stable returns, we're looking at low tenant turnover, therefore minimizing void periods and as well low repairs and maintenance as well. So we invest in plain vanilla lets We target tenants that plan to live in our properties for many years. So we invest generally in three-bed detached houses in, in neighborhoods that are primarily owner-occupied. And so Sorry, can I just what,
0: interrupt there? Three bed yeah. detached or three bed semi-detached? Detached. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. An unusual strategy for, for most investors. Again, so what we're trying to do there, as I say, is really balance that both the cash flow and the capital gains. I tend to see that the detached houses benefit from greater capital gains over the longer term. So we're not doing, as I say, that you know, the, the typical leveraged HMO strategy which you know, where, where you are really trying to get those, those cash flows. As I say as well, we, we don't have a high risk appetite at all here and we want to keep it as simple as possible.
0: A detached buy let, one eye a little bit more on capital growth than perhaps a semi-detached would. How did you come across that?
1: That's a good question. It was, I'd say it was a process of elimination more than anything else. We looked at one strategy, didn't like that. Struck it off the list and just kept on doing it until we got to that one. And really, that was it. And perhaps you could say there was an element of slightly accidental, I would say, for the very first property. And in fact, the first property worked out so well that we bought the property next door. And it's really taken off from there. The tenants that we've had in have never moved out and they've looked after the houses really, really well. So the neighborhoods that they live in are really nice neighborhoods. There's probably a bit of a sense of keeping up with the Joneses and therefore those tenants naturally want to make sure that their house is well maintained. They're they're out there mowing the lawns at the front of the house and doing the, the gardening and making sure, I don't know, the driveway is well maintained, those types of things, spraying it with a pressure washer. What they also do is make sure that they report any maintenance issues us as soon as possible, really. So those small problems don't grow into big problems. What we also do is make sure that first off, we find the right tenants, but then we want to make sure that they feel happy to live there for the longer term as well. So we provide them with a degree of freedom to make changes to the properties if they want to repaint the properties Um, within reason. We're quite happy for them to do that. But sometimes we'll even make certain changes on their request. And we will for those changes so for example one of our clients wanted um, to use their table tennis table in the garden so we put in relatively expensive decking but we now know unless something goes wrong that they're probably going to be around then for the next five years or so they're fully invested in the property so for us that therefore means is that they're not going to move out we're not going to get those void periods we're not going to have those letting agent fees to put in new tenants Typically, when a tenant moves out, there's a degree of redecorating to do. We don't have to do any of that. We're never going to set the world alight with this strategy, but I probably should clarify here is that we're not looking to replace our incomes. We're just looking to supplement our earnings. So I know lots of property investors and understandably so looking to you know get out of the jobs that they hate, whereas <laughs> this probably sounds quite sad, but I actually thoroughly enjoy what I do for a living as, as an accountant. Sounds great. Yeah. And therefore, it's really just to supplement the income and not replace
0: it. If you're happy doing what you want, then you've got life cracked, right? Absolutely. When you say you look for tenants, are you looking for the tenants yourself? No, because we're out of the UK so much, we want that
1: hands-free, passive approach. We do use a, um, a letting agent. They do everything. The letting agent that we have is excellent. So the team that find the tenants do an awful lot of due diligence and we're quite happy to delay and almost suck up that void period for those first couple of months until we find the right tenant that we know is going to stick around for the long term is going to be a good quality tenant
0: so that's a really good long-term view you've taken on things and according to to your own need you don't need cash straight away you're young enough to kind of have a long-term view on everything so it's a strategy that works for you
1: it certainly does yeah me my wife and i are in our early 40s and so we think that this will work really for the next 20 or 30 years
0: Do you have a target ROCE or ROI when you look for these properties? That's a good question.
1: I mean, the simple answer to that is no. As long as the return is beating what we could get from banks, we do invest in stock shares, index funds and the like, but tend to find that the returns on that can be quite volatile, particularly in times such as 2022. And therefore, we do like effectively the stable returns that you get from property. And yes, we can see that we're getting capital gains. We expect to get capital gains over the longer term as well. And and that, in effect, will help when we sell those properties during retirement. We don't have children. So when we sell the properties in the future, that will help fund our retirement also.
0: What factors are maybe more relevant to expats as opposed to UK-based property investors?
1: Excellent question. This applies to property investors Stop. What are their longer term goals and objectives with expats? Is their intention to return to the UK? And if so, when? So that's one consideration. Do they have children or plan to have children? That's another consideration. Do they want access to the cash flows today or do they want to reinvest the profits that they earn today for the future? Those types of questions are relevant to all property investors but they equally apply to expats. And really, once they've determined those goals from there, we can then start structuring their business appropriately. We can then consider the differences for treatments for expats relative to UK residents. So difference in treatment for, say, capital gains tax, difference in treatment for stamp duty, uh, for example, the extra 2%. That's where the considerations come in.
0: That is an excellent introduction into what we'll be covering in these pocket-sized episodes over the next week. So I guess we'll delve more into those factors and issues through the week. Indeed. So, Sean, you are called the property tax accountant, right? Why would investors need a property tax accountant as opposed to a communal garden, run-of-the-mill, (laughs) bog-standard accountant? I mean, (laughs) accounts are accounts, right? A number is a number, is it not?
1: I wish that was the case, A property tax accountant, what does that mean? Theoretically, that individual or firm should be knowledgeable about tax accounting and property. Now, a generalist accountant, during the morning, they're helping a taxi driver in the afternoon, they're helping a hairdresser, it'd be challenging, let's put it that way, challenging to have the depth of knowledge in any one specific area. It's, it's really trying to push a boulder up a hill, whereas somebody that is niching in a specific area clearly has the time and energy and a large enough but similar client base to be able to really provide that expertise and knowledge. Somebody that specializes in property, they have all of the processes, the systems, et cetera, in place to be able to provide that dedicated service to property investors. It just makes so much more sense.
0: And you also provide a weekly newsletter featuring property news, tax planning articles, book and podcast recommendations, and lots more. Can you tell us about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, you've hit the nail on the head with that one. So certainly a lot of time and energy goes into that newsletter. But what that newsletter really does is is just provide a little taster on more in-depth articles that go onto my website. My website is full of tax articles, Great tips for reducing your tax bill, sharing news about either changes in tax, such as the analysis of the recent budget or news that's affecting the property industry, along with great podcast recommendations and books and the like. And of course, your podcast has an outstanding recommendation too.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for that. That's how we we met, wasn't it? Yeah. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: Two places. My website, propertytaxaccountant.uk. And then I'm quite active on Instagram as well. So my handle there is property underscore tax underscore accountant underscore UK.
0: My three highlights from this episode of Expat Property Story are firstly the way that Sean and his wife used the process of elimination to find a strategy that worked for them. So when they didn't like one strategy, they looked at another, and another, until they found one that worked for them according to their own risk profile. It's so easy to look at what other people are doing and want to copy them, but it's refreshing to see someone zigging while others are zagging. Which leads me neatly into my second highlight, which was the decision taken by Sean and his wife to choose a strategy of buying three-bed detached houses, which they have found to have lower tenant turnover, fewer repair and maintenance issues, and better prospects for long-term capital growth. And finally, Sean's advice to hire an accountant that is a specialist in property, and although he didn't say it, preferably one who understands tax issues from an expat's perspective, which is what the following six episodes will be about. In honor of today's guest, it seems appropriate that this week's exotic listener location should also be in the Caribbean, so I have chosen the Bahamas. Not that I've been there. The closest I've been to the Bahamas is Bahama Mamas, the Caribbean bar in Chim Choi, here in Hong Kong. If you're our listener in the actual Bahamas, why not leave some voice feedback on the podcast website, www.expatpropertystory.com. On tomorrow's show, Sean will be answering the question he gets asked most frequently, namely, is it better to buy property in your own name or within a limited company structure? So for the answer, come back tomorrow. Please take the time to rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already done so. And if you want to help grow our community of expat property investors, then share the show to spread the word. You've been listening to Expat Property Story.